when you are CEO of a company, you're, I mean, I'm sure many of people you know told you that you're alone. If you fail, not a problem. The worst thing to do is not to move. That digital is not in our company a department. It's not e-commerce. It's not marketing. It's just a tool. I am always at home for dinner, spending time with the kids, always doing sports with the kids. So it's family first. Welcome to Sports and Outdoor Mentors. In today's episode, I chat with Roman Mille, the CEO of the Mille Mountain Group, which includes both the Mille and Lafuma brands. As his name suggests, Roman has a strong family connection to the business, as his great-grandparents founded Mille in 1921. The business now employs 700 people, sells in 40 countries, and generates revenue of approximately 100 million euros. As well as working in the outdoor sports industry, Roman has experience in both the luxury and fast fashion sectors. We talk about this experience, what it's like being a CEO, the role of digital in business today, his time in China, the importance of family, and many other topics. But before we jump into the episode, I have a favor to ask. Please hit subscribe or follow. This helps us grow the channel so we can elevate the content and continue to bring insights from other sports and outdoor industry leaders. Thanks for your support and enjoy the episode. Roman, given your your family history, I think it would somehow be expected almost that you'd spent your whole career within the outdoor industry. But of course you spent time in um, consulting, in fashion, in luxury. So... When you kind of look back at that time, what did you take away from that and what has, is helping you today in, in what you're doing in leading the Mille business today? So it's a, maybe, maybe you heard about the story, but in a, in a very nutshell, it's been a, the company was founded uh, more than 100 years ago, uh, developed by uh, my grand-grandmother and, and, and his son. Is, she has two, uh, two sons, my grandfather and his brother. They developed the, the company... Uh, reaching the top of the Annapurna with a team in the in the 50s. And then they sold out the company in 74. Uh, so that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm, not, I'm not born into this company. I have the chance to have the name, but I've never, I'm born in 79. So right. actually I just had the very nice story with, with my grandfather when he was retired. So they sold the company and, and it's always been somehow in my mind to sort of professional dream that maybe one day, uh, we'll find out a way to, to bring the church in the middle of the village, as we said in French. Um, say it in another way, which is just bringing the, 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 the company back to the family. So that's something we had in mind with my uncle, and, and that's what happened uh, three years ago, so 50 years after the sold out. And in some ways, it was a chance. Um, it's a chance, number one, because uh, for me, it's, it's, it makes sense in everything I've done before. Uh, and, and give me a passion uh, today to be the uh, entrepreneur and, and leading this company. It's also a chance because, as you said, and that's how I answer your question, uh, I'd, I've learned a lot in doing all these things and, and in going into fashion, in living in Shanghai, in China, and being in luxury. So approaching um, many topics that I think are uh, up to date in the outdoor industry today. How do you reach your consumer? How do you, what, what does really direct consumer mean? How do you reach China? 
beautiful country, full of nature, uh, but in some ways small market today compared to many other, uh, for instance, luxury markets. Um, so it's for all of this, I guess, uh, those experiences have been a challenge for me because today, when we raise the question internally, uh, I have the passion, uh, I won't say the skills, but at least the passion uh, to think at and help the team going into retail, going into uh, to the consumer, going into China, looking at other industry, forecasting, etc., etc. So it's really a chance from a personal note, but I, I guess for the professional note for, for, for the company. Mm. Interesting, yeah. And as you mentioned, the company is now 102 years old. So, and that I would imagine working in a company with such a rich heritage that is also clearly personally connected to you and your family, does that somehow bring extra pressure on you or kind of do you maybe put pressure on yourself because of that? It's, it's positive pressure. Well, at least since I have a white hair, uh, I was thinking of that when I was younger. And, and for sure, it was negative pressure because you're like, well, it's, it's heavy. I mean, it's a heavy backpack, if I can, if you may, if I may have this image. And, and not anymore today. It's, it's positive pressure. I, it's, it's, it's a motivation, actually. Uh, and, and really, you feeling today that uh, uh, if, uh, having the name is, is not a burden. Not at all. I mean, it's a chance and it helps a lot the company um, to have a strong culture. And, and I've been, you know, it's one of the reasons I'm, I'm feeling good today is the values of this company, they've not changed. And, and I think one of the reasons some company can last 100 years, it's often because the values don't change. And, and our values don't change. And when you plug in, uh, for me, it's the same value that the one I've been I, I raised with my family. I mean, my grandfather basically had the same values at work and at home. Mm. And so I feel good. And also, I guess I can help the company to reinforce the culture, to reinforce in values because that's in my blood. Yeah. Uh, interesting. And, and what, what would you say are the, those values in terms of what are the most important ones that you think as a yourself and the organization live and breathe on a i'm sure a daily basis but i think i think if if you work in this industry uh, you have to be passionate passionate about the mountain and nature i mean it you know, that's probably the first motivation of that if if we all think of that for the one that are working in the industry and will listen to this pitch or uh, the one willing to uh, i'm pretty sure that one of the the reason they want to come is that they just love that Mm. They love the, the, they love sports. They love outdoor. They love nature. So that's number one. And and this passion, of course, is not only for nature. Then it's passion to develop the business, to to bring people together, to raise them, etc. And and the second point, which definitely China helped me to reinforce, is curiosity. Uh, and 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 really, especially the the, 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 the my grandfather and and his brother, they were really curious. And I, and I really believe these values is, is super important. And, it's, it's, and especially in the world we're living into where information is coming to you. It's some ways you have algorithms that decide how, they, they, how, how to feed your curiosity, but, but actually it's not curiosity. It's just bring what they learn from you from what you did yesterday. Yeah. So this being said, I guess curiosity is, is a very important value that we all need to have personally and being in some ways happy to be surprised every day. 
And in these two values, of course, we have other and, and trying, for instance, to be humble. Um, but, but these two are the main ones. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that, for me, as a person, it's values that really it's, uh, are strong for me, but also into the companies. And, and often you're better when you, you, know, you don't have disconnection in between the values you have at home sure. and the one you have at work. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you mentioned your time in China. Um, I think I can only imagine what it would, would have been like, but when you kind of reflect back on those five years there, what are the, yeah, what did you take away from that? What are the, and maybe even talk a little bit about what took you there in the first place and why that was a decision that you took? Because I think quite a big decision for you and your family. Of course. So my wife was pregnant. She was in eight, eight months when we moved there. So, uh, I mean, when, when you leave to China, in fact, we decide to quit and live in China, uh, it's, it's both a family decision. That's not a work decision. Of course, it, the reason when, in fact, the reason it happened is just like my boss before just tell me, uh, I want you in China in one month. That's it. Do you want to go or not? I mean, that, it always happened like this. Really? But you always have the opportunity to say yes and no. I mean, of course. Uh, and for us, we were like, like, yes, of course. We definitely want to go. And, but we had to think at it from a family standpoint because she was pregnant. And, 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 and I'm, I mean, it was a very difficult decision for her and very courageous for her more than for me, definitely more. Um, so that was the context. Right? The, 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 the decision was made like this. So it's, you have one month to decide. We decided in one week. But the, the only reason was a, f- a family project more than a personal project. Um, the second point is that being there the first week, I understand I had to speak Chinese. And it's super important. It's not to speak Chinese, but it's when you go into a country, and I think that you're, perf- you're perfectly an example of that. When you go and decide to live in a country which is not the one you're born to, into, it, it, definitely you have to, to make some effort to adapt to the country culture. And, and especially yes. for French people, it's a good learning, I hope, uh, at least. Uh, and therefore, when you go into China, you have to learn Chinese. That's it. And, and that's the best way to discover the country, the best way you can understand the culture. You will never understand 100%, but at least you understand a bit more than if you come and speak English to a Chinese guy. Mm-hmm. So that was the second takeaway I had. A- and the third one, which I learned a lot, it's, it's, and maybe we'll move to, I, I know that's one of the topics you want to dis- discuss, but it, the way you are, uh, leadership uh, and, and leadership in China for me, it was surprising at the beginning, but it's actually something that I, I really developed myself a lot and, and that is helping me a lot today. So basically, deciding to go to China is above all a family decision. Work is a, in French, we say a pretext, or let's say an excuse in English. Yeah. Second point, uh, need to adapt there and, and, and try to understand and make all the efforts you can to, to adapt to the, con- to, to the country, especially language. Um, a third point, uh, every time try to, to take all the positive things you can from, from the people you work with. And, and I've learned so much from Chinese people, so much. And I'm pretty sure it's not because it's China. I'm pretty sure you can, if someone living in the US, I'm sure you can, you can get the same way of thinking or the same methodology and, and you can do that probably everywhere else. When you think about... Uh having the opportunity to work professionally in another country is that something that as a as a hiring manager as a leader of people that you see as a as a advantage with somebody that has maybe had that experience in working in another culture 
definitely um, it's definitely an advantage yes uh, and I have to say above all in the outdoor industry uh, for me outdoor is as I said before it's it's positive and negative in the sense that passion is positive and negative and, and outdoor is full of passionate people one of the disadvantages of pa being passionate is basically you always stay in the in the industry you're passionate about and so that means that you go from one brand to another or one retailer to another and that's, that's of course I think outdoor but there are other examples car mm -hmm. industry is another example um, therefore in terms of innovation of progress whatever it's not only on R&D I mean in, in terms of managing people in terms of uh, learning from people and learning from other best practices you can see in, 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 a, in the business. But it's more limited. You, you learn less. So for me, um, and, and even if we're a very, I mean, we're a small company based in the Alps, uh, 700 people. So it, it remains a small company. Even for us, it's super important that um, when we hire people uh, or when we develop people that have been there, we try to help them uh, learning new expertise or new culture in, for instance, being expat for a while uh, somewhere in another subsidiary. So it's super important. Uh, and and uh, it definitely brings more value. So, you know, there have been so many studies, and I'm sure you know much better than myself on that, but soci sociology about um, uh, putting people that are different into uh, one group will create much more value than, yeah. than only uh, the same people and, and diversity, yeah. uh, say in another way. Exactly. It's, it's definitely creating value and, and, and having only uh, uh, white old men like you and myself, if I may, will create less value than if we Absolutely. Pe people that are more, than are different. And I, I think that my feeling is that working in another country as well, another benefit is that when you're then leading people in other countries as you do i mean you're okay you're humbly saying that you know it's a small company with 700 people 700 people that okay a lot of those are in france but you know you have manufacturing operations in different countries and and i know in asia you have some big markets so my perception is my feeling is that having that experience of also worked abroad it also probably helps you in terms of then leading people in all of those different cultures um, yes, and also um, when I was in, in when I was working before coming back uh, in other companies, I, I had the chance also to work in subsidiaries and not always in HQ. And when you work in a subsidiary, that's the best way to know all the mistakes of the HQ. You know, you're always complaining about HQ. So that's that also. So that means that for me, having worked in a subsidiary and not in HQ and in countries with different culture, indeed. In some ways, I can understand some frustration or some expectation from people uh, not being with us here in France. Uh, that's one. And the second point I wanted to add, the second comment I wanted to make to this question is the fact that on the other side, it's very important for me, for our brand, but also for people, by the way, to know where you come from and to say it and to claim it. I mean, you cannot say if you're born in the Alps that uh, you come from California. It will never happen. Nobody will, like, will, will believe in that. It doesn't work. So let's make an advantage and let's be proud of being from where we were born. For us, it's Annecy, but uh, here in the Alps, uh, Annecy and Chamonix. It's very important to claim it. So it's, where I want to go is that this second comment makes 
means that when I go in Japan or when I go in, in factoring uh, in, in Tunisia or in France, for instance, of course I'm claiming that I'm French. I mean, they can you can hear that from my French accent in English or the way I will behave, the way I will, I don't know, eat. Or, so let's assume that. So let's say that. Let's make a strength of that. So mm. I think for me, the two learnings I had from this uh, experience is one, I know what subsidiaries think of HQ in terms of expectation and frustration. And let's claim really, let's make a strength of who we are. Mm -hmm. and, and these two things are often important. And when you, when you look back at your, your career today, is there any one point of that in your career where you think, okay, that's really helping me today in addressing the challenges that you're facing leading an outdoor business in a market that is challenged right now? It's not an easy market. Uh, I even, uh, I, I'm spontaneously, uh, I, I would even have two ideas. Uh, number one is digital in China, um, which for me has always been more advanced than everywhere else in the world. Definitely. It's deeply yeah. into it. I have an, one anecdote. When I came in China and I was renting a house to an 80 years old woman, and, and then uh, at that time it was the first week, of course, and, and I didn't speak Chinese. And, and I asked her, how do, you, how do you pay the, the bill for electricity and gas? And she basically showed me WeChat and a QR code. Yeah. And that's it. I was like, fuck. I mean, it's, for me in France, uh, you have an invoice, so either you call or you give your credit card and then it takes hours. And then a check. Eat. No, no, come yeah. on, a check. Yeah, and then maybe there will have a check. <laughs> maybe you will have a bank transfer somehow. Uh, anyway, anyway. She was 80 years old and was paying the bill with in scanning on her WeChat yeah. the QR code. Done. So that's one anecdote, and you can imagine it's everywhere. So this I learned a lot, and therefore it helps us a lot into transformation into digital, which basically means that digital is not in our company a department. It's not e-commerce. It's not marketing. It's just a tool that every like CSR, by the way, everybody mm. who uh, from HR, from finance, from of course e-com and so on. They all use digital, and and COVID has helped on that. So that's one example. Um, the 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 second point uh, is more personal, but uh, I'm very as a manager. Or, or I've been CEOs for t 15 years now. Uh, it's very different uh, to be CEO of the company that has your name, that has been run by your family in one point. Uh, then being CEO of company that you're by you're an employee and and you've been CEO for a time, but there will be something else. I'm not saying that there won't be something else for me after me. Yeah, maybe there will, but the way and I'm managing the company or the way I'm thinking or I'm taking decisions, it's very very different and and it's very clear based on our culture or the, the, the reason why of the company, number one. And one goal, which is of, well, linking to our history, which is uh, perennity, so I don't know the name in English, but basically longevity. Yeah. Does it mean, yeah? yeah. Um, so basically uh, being sure that in 100 years, Millet will still uh, help people achieving a dream in mountain. That's the only thing that, that makes me take decisions. So I'd never, there is never a time when I'm taking a decision that could voluntarily or not help my own interest in my career yeah 
not anymore. So that's the two things. Maybe there are many other things, but, uh, but yeah. spontaneously I would do at least. So in addition to your your role, obviously here, you're also uh, vice president of the OSV. Um, so maybe, as probably some of the listeners and audience don't know what the OSV is, so maybe it would be great if you could talk a little bit or introduce the OSV and talk a little bit about what you're doing there and, and also why, because I think obviously you give up your own time to do that. So um, yeah, it's would just be interesting to understand why you do that as well. Um, of course, uh, OSV is basically the French... Uh association representing all the brands involved into the outdoor. Uh, there is 500 uh, companies that are part of the OSV, but it's not anymore only brands. Uh, 60% are brands, so 300 brands, but also 200 uh, that are other companies that could bring benefits to um, the, the, the brands that are part of the OSV. Um, it's uh, 12 people working uh, for the association, which which basically means it's it's a very sane, stable association, and it's not always like this. And financing coming from private and public. Um, it's based in Nancy, just close by here. It's it's one of the successful association, I guess, in Europe, uh, especially because they found a business model, uh, and the business model is, um, of course, like traditional association to represent the brand to claim. Uh, for instance, during COVID, was was useful, uh, but it's also uh, to bring service to help, uh, and and especially for companies, either startups uh, who, who need many things. I mean, you're a founder, you have a pen and a paper or and a garage because it looks like a garage. It's super important to create a company. Uh, but joke apart, you're alone, so you need the content, you need other services. So they bring that. Uh, definitely. Another example is for a medium-sized company who wants to profit from synergies, logistics, for basic things, but super important, uh, logistics, e-commerce skills, uh, either market studies, many things that just you can, we are several people buying the same studies, sharing it, and of course there are synergies. Um, and there are another, another example is HR, which I'm sure you, you know about. Um, where basically it's, there are a lot of people looking for jobs or brands of um, putting some uh, hiring, uh, uh, sorry, some announcement uh, onto this platform. And, and, and really it's, it's becoming a, a meeting point uh, for HR in the outdoor industry. So it's a super interesting uh, uh, association, which of course Mia has been one of the founders with many other uh, well-known brands. Uh, on a person, because you asked me then why I'm, I'm involved, it's definitely I'm involved. I mean, it takes some time. Uh, but number one, um, uh, I think it's, it's important that brands like us in France, where we are market leader, we are bringing, uh, in fact, we are part of it, we are helping uh, the industry to develop, to professionalize. Uh, second reason, uh, is that there are some topics even more and more important, especially CSR, where I personally believe uh, that one plus one equals three. So basically, we should tie it up. We have exactly the same goal in terms of CSR, all the brands. We want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. So definitely, there are things we can do together for the same goal. It, it could be different on other topics. Innovation is a tricky topic because sometimes we compete, of course. CSR, not at all. I mean, it's the same story. 
So it's becoming more and more important uh, to be part of association like this. Third point, just fun. It's nice. I mean, it's nice to see people from the industry. We basically all have a... Yeah, we're happy to, to meet together. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a good moment. And, and, and I think at work, it's also important to have pleasure. Yeah. So it's, it's also a driver. Yeah. Great. So who are the people that have, would you say, influenced you the most professionally? Well, uh, tricky one, this one. Um, many, um, a few ones. Number one, my wife. Of course. I mean, uh, for many reasons that are quite obvious. I'm not sure I could list, and, uh, and we don't have the time that I list all the reasons why. Um, second, people, uh, my uncle, which with whom we partner together in, in, in being a majority stakeholder now in, into this company, uh, he's been a, a mentor for me. Uh, third one, two CEOs that have helped, uh, three, uh, that have helped me every time in my career. Uh, Philippe Joffard, who used to, to run uh, the group La Fuma, uh, Roland Beaumanoir, who is the leader of uh, Beaumanoir Group in fast fashion, and um, Frédéric Arnaud, who is the CEO of uh, Tagoya. Those three, because they, they've been my boss, so in some way they, they give, uh, they had confidence, uh, and they give me confidence and project, and they help me raising. So those people have helped me. They are close people. Of course, on the other side, all the young team. And I'm not saying that because uh, the, the old do not influence, but the young, because they, they help me not being too old and, and to feed my curiosity and to help me thinking. And it was the case in China. It's every day the case here in Nancy. Uh, so this team as well. Finally, uh, like many people, I'm reading books and, and newspaper. And you would always find some leaders into the other industry or into, I would say, the media part. Uh, could be sport guy, could be, I don't know. Uh, philosopher, whatever. Uh, there are a few ones that, of course, will, yeah, will, will inspire you uh, one way or another. Uh, give you one example. Uh, recently, two even two athletes at Millet, uh, Sophie Laveau, who is the first French uh, climbing the eight uh, thousand meters, the fourteen ones. I mean, uh, talking with that girl, uh, just a great moment. Mm. And uh, and another one who's becoming a friend, Charles Duboulot, who is one of our athletes, having him on, on the phone probably every week. We don't have the same life. Huh? And I'm, oh, sure. I'm learning a lot from Charles for that. <laughs> voilà. Yeah. You mentioned there a couple of those people you've, you've named are, you'd almost consider them mentors. Uh, so what value do does that give you having somebody like that as a mentor that you speak to maybe regularly or irregularly I don't know but you know what do you gain from that so, we the climate is confident so you can say things I mean the militant we were on we are or we were not 100% uh, aligned huh? but definitely there could be a discussion that is uh, without any personal uh, emotion. Mm -hmm. So that helps you thinking. Uh, second point, LinkedIn. But, uh, when you are CEO of a company, you're, I mean, I'm sure it's many of people you know told you that you're alone. Uh, and, and you cannot, of course, when you have a problem or 
or even solution. It's not easy to share it with your COMEX or to share it with your board because if it's a question, then they will, well, it's always raising question, never have a solution. I want someone who is driving me and maybe not. Yeah. And having some ways or some people uh, with whom you can just share ideas and, and they will probably say, well, it's stupid or it, no, why not? You should go that or that or you should contact that guy. I know that guy, you give him a call. That helps. In earlier stages of your career, did you also have mentors? I'm just wondering whether mentors have played a, 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 let's say, a consistent or constant role through your career. A bit less because I was in, in a very competitive, uh, competing environment, which was a M&A, bank and consulting. So you are, but it's changing a lot. So it's different. Uh, yeah, it's not normal life in some okay. way. But on the other side, uh, maybe that's your next question, but I'm trying, I mean, with all, I mean, I'm not the guy I listed already, but if I can help, I'm doing it with pleasure. Mm-hmm. And often I'm not of any help, but but if I can, uh, I, I'm sort of giving my time for that, not only you as you. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you. Let's maybe move on to, to leadership and you and we'll come back actually to a point that you raised about China and about the the learnings that you had of experiencing life working in China with leaders and, and the the fact that the approach is probably rather different. So can you maybe expand a little bit on that and, and, and what it taught you and, and what well, your takeaways? Many things, but um, number one, let's be clear, China is less... Uh, vertical than we are in Europe in terms of management. Uh, governance are different. And, you know, often in Europe or, uh, or in US probably, but in Western countries, we have the feeling that in China, it's a Laoban, that's the name in Chinese, Laoban has to decide and that's it. Not totally wrong, but not totally right. Uh, it's the case for the board where definitely decisions are made, but as, uh, as, as a part of a, a company, uh, you have actually much more freedom than we have in Europe and that we have in the US because this company, that this, uh, sorry, the, 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 the country is based on test and learn. It's, it's, a gr- it's a growing country. Basically, when, it's gro- when you have growth, economic growth, you can make mistakes. We've been living uh, in, at least in Europe, where uh, the growth has been limited for 30 years. Uh, we're talking about unemployment. Uh, that's something that you've never heard about in until recent years, but when I was there, that was not the case in China. I was growing, never heard about unemployment. So that means that if you fail, not a problem. You have to test, you have to learn where I want to go, and that's the takeaway, is that um, the worst thing to do is not to move. You have to move. Where and where you go left, you go right. You have the right to, to go in two directions, to make mistakes, but at least don't be uh, uh, sad. And don't yeah, don't move. Is you have to move. You, you have to do something, and that's something that I think here sometimes. Always trying uh, to be sure before moving, we we want to be sure that we won't fail. You know, otherwise uh, someone will tell you it's not good. That's absolutely not the way Chinese work. So that's one takeaway. So, and, and I believe as a leader sometimes, of course, we have to make the last decision and to behave like a Lao Ban. 
but we have to give sort of freedom to the team. And, and, and when you do that, often in Europe, we do that on a project management based. You can see that people are more happy. So they, they, that means they are happier, sorry. That, so that means that they, they're looking for that. And, and I think if the company is well prepared, if you have a bit of process and, and if you hire the good people, you will do nine, maybe 49% of mistakes but 51% of good things. If I'm correct in mathematics, it should, should go into the right direction. So that's one. Um, second point, link it to this, which is very, dif very difficult for me, uh, by the way, still now, uh, is that it's 80-20. It's, it's we, in Asia, we always focus on 80-20. So that means that uh, you focus on the 80% that will deliver what you're looking for and of course, there will be 20% that are not, you're not prepared with. That could be negative impact. But at the end, you spend your time on the 80% and not thinking at solution to the 20 other percent. Sometimes in Europe, in our companies, management-wise, we could be always focusing on, ah, but now on this, we tried it 30 years ago. And on this, I'm sorry, it cannot work. Look at the IT system is not prepared for the case of this and this and this and this happened. I mean, it's snow in July. Ah, um, it's, it's highly probable that we don't have snow in July for the couple of months coming. So that's what I mean. It's not focusing on things that we already know will, are not as probable as the other part. So let's focus energy on what we believe will work. So that's the, 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 the second point. And the third takeaway I would say is um, those ecosystems. I've uh, always been very impressed by sort of uh, yeah, th by those ecosystems that has been built by all these companies where they, they all have minority stake in one company another one and it's it's a sort of network that has been built from an equity standpoint but often just from a pe people standpoint mm -hmm. and it's a logic of circle you know in China and and that means that things are connected in a nice think in our world western countries sometimes we could be a bit more connected and, and and I mean, for me, for instance, I'm very open to, to other brands. And, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people could testimony about that. And, and, and I'm super happy to have a lunch with a, a CEO uh, of another brand. I mean, because we, we have a lot to learn together. And, and market is sufficiently big. Uh, world is sufficiently big. Our market share industry are all pretty small because it's quite customized. So in some ways, confidentiality, of course, we should respect some. That's not a big problem. And, yeah. and it's nice to talk to someone uh, from the industry having another region. So it's, that's things we could do a bit more, especially on CSR. Yeah, yeah. So as you said, I, going back to OSV, I, that must then play an uh, important role in that or can play an important role in that, yes. for sure, yeah. initiating those collaborations and conversations. Yes. When I reflect of the changes that have taken place in the, let's say the leadership landscape over the last three years. I mean, since the pandemic, somehow leadership has become quite a bit more complex and clearly one of the topics that is, uh, what makes leadership even more complex is the, the, the hybrid work model. How, how do you address that? How, how do you and the team address that? Because I think, yeah, I know in my previous life, you know, I, I, this was a challenge from a personal point of view and a leadership point of view. So, and I talk to a lot of people about this topic and there are a lot of different opinions and I think there's no black or white 
Um, so yeah, what's what's your kind of approach? How do you address this topic? But first, it depends on your company culture, structure, history. So what I'm going to say is only for me, yeah, and it's not a, a MBA course lesson, a management lesson. I have no theory on that, no proof of what I'm going to say, no data about what I'm going to say, but just a ressenti, as we said in French, an impression of at Millet, a sharing of our best practices mm. or learnings. Um, as I said, we're medium-sized company, which quite centralized here in NC with a few subsidiaries. So based on people relationship. Fortunately, we invested into digital tool uh, a few uh, years, not to say a few months before the pandemic. And that helps, of course, a lot uh, remoting. Otherwise, it would have been another story to develop a collection without uh, some tools would have been much more difficult, I guess. But fortunately, we had that. Uh, but despite this, our company process, way of working remains physical. People in a room with pros and cons. Huh? Uh, people having an opinion on everything and management of consensus and all that. But this being said, it worked. And as this pandemic came and everybody was stuck at home, and then we were full remote. A few ones here, but mostly full remote. Mm -hmm. What we can see at that time is that, of course, it was nice for maybe for a few ones, for a few weeks, for a few months. I mean, on on, a pers on professional side, I'm yeah. not saying on a personal, on another side. But on professional, not bad not to take uh, transportation, your car, uh, the bus, uh, less expensive and so on. But rapidly, when in between the two lockdowns in France, uh, and I, I came at exactly at that time here in the company, that's mm -hmm. when I joined. I can feel people super happy, even if they were wearing a mask, washing the hands every uh, 30 minutes and having all this process, super happy to meet each other. So for me, that was a symbol that being 100% full remote for me eh, is not the solution yet. Mm. Uh, it, it's not our culture. That's not the way this core social, this group of people mm. uh, is willing to work. Uh, but on the other side, we learned that having some people at home help them concentrating on few things, uh, doing things that they cannot do uh, because they, they, I don't know, for many reasons here, there are things they are more efficient doing at work. There are things you do better at, at work. And that's the way we've decided to organize the company. And it's been now a year and a half where we have two days remote, three days uh, at mm -hmm. work, like many companies. What we're trying to do uh, is not only to have um, uh, uh, qualitative comments on that, but also some quantitative com uh, data which basically means having people uh, doing a timesheet or mentioning, measuring the efficiency of their work at home mm. and, and at work. So that, that will help us from an HR standpoint to say, well, now we believe, uh, looking at the timesheet of everybody, that maybe three days at home or uh, one day at home sure. yeah. is the best thing for the, for the company and for yeah. you guys. And that's much easier to answer to some question we could have, uh, for instance, from the com social committee that we have in France, yeah. where sometimes we have people raising the answer, can we be full remote? On the other side, we, we could have other ones saying, can I be 100% at, at, at uh, work? We cannot take it from an in 
individual standpoint. So the only way to, to answer is to measure and to take the time to measure. So that's what we do. So it depends on company, culture, organization, and standpoint. Uh, for us, 100% remote doesn't work. Three, two is the good solution, but this could evolve in the future. Yeah, yeah. And of course, sorry, I, mentioned, I forgot to mention that. It depends on the subsidiary. The, everything I just said for HQ, in our factories, it's either in or out. Huh? It's uh, quite a binaire, uh, yeah. one or zero. And in Japan, it's a, it's a bit different as well. So it, you, ha you have to adapt to country culture, of course. Exactly. And yeah. regulation. Yeah. So when you think about your role today, what would you consider to be your most important task on a, on a broad level? Um, the reason why and, and, and sort of ambassador of the reason why um, because I have the same name as the company uh, because we are looking at the long term and the reason why is in long term so this is probably the most important thing of course uh, depending on the, on the company planning and, and the date of the year we could have budget, uh, strategy planning, and, yeah. and, and innovation, CSR, all those topics are, are taking some time, but, but on every day, I meet people, internally or externally, every day. Um, everything I say, the way I behave, has to be 100% uh, uh, aligned with, with our reason why. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's I think that's it. So it's really that vision and somehow it's that North Star that, you know, everybody is hopefully following in the organization. And, and, and which is sometimes it's not easy because it, as you can imagine, it's, it's a family-owned company. So sometimes we could be, uh, there, there are maybe less process sometimes than a, than a company that is listed uh, on a stock exchange. Uh, yeah, it's different. Uh, which basically means that sometimes I can validate a product or, or just come to the, the R&D and say, well, this weekend I tested this uh, backpack uh, when doing skittering and it was great. And so of course they are this. And, and, and in some well-structured company, a process will never allow a CEO to do that mm -hmm. for many reasons. Here we do that. And, and so there are cons in doing that. Of course, it could create tension, but if I do that, it will always be in line with the reason why of the companion so people can understand why I'm doing that then. Mm -hmm. I guess as, as the outdoors is clearly a part of, you know, who you are as well and what you do outside of work, do you, how do you find the balance between family life and professional life? Or, or maybe it should be, do you find the balance? But uh, if you uh, do, then how do you? <laughs> uh, no, no, uh, definitely. Uh, definitely. And, 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 and that's super fun. So first, my wife is working and, and, and is probably much more talented than I am. And have the, uh, a very successful guy in digital doing remote almost 100% time. So that's also why I have, I have some background about that. Um, I am always at home for dinner, except if there is a, a dinner, a professional dinner, but 90% of the time at home for dinner, uh, spending time with the kids, 
always doing sports with the kids, so it's family first. Uh, second point, sports is is a really. I need that otherwise I'm just. A, I have other emotions, so I'm doing my uh, five to ten hours sports every week, in the outdoor probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so therefore, the, this being said, that means that first, of course, the agenda is 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 full. Hard to have a, a casual lunch. Uh, no, I don't do that. And probably because of China, by the way, because we are never doing that. Uh, second point, you sleep a bit less. Yeah. I have the chance not to need, not, not to sleep too much. That's fine. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not suffering at all. Yeah. And that's really good. Not. No, for it, it's a, it's been back from from vacation. Now, of course, I'm French, so as fr- a good French, uh, I took some vacation in in August. But uh, but when I was back, I was super happy on Monday to be here. Hey. Super happy, and, and so that means that the balance should be correct. Yeah. yeah. Well, I th- again, I think that's a great example because I think it's uh, it's very easy as a a leader to transmit the maybe the the not the right approach on this sort of topic mm. and people do watch for sure they do kind of see and and think okay you know what's my manager doing you know how much holiday are they taking you know does that mean it's yeah. okay for me it's I will never walk up to after dinner I will never it happens but rarely and for good reason yeah. I work after dinner or, or during the weekend never send email during the weekend um, because you need to respect people and they will call during the weekend yeah. of course except if there is an emergency but uh, when I'm doing it, and I'm not saying that because it's good to say that, when I'm doing it, I, I'm, I'm really, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I will uh, I will apologize 100% because <laughs> really I'm I'm not proud of, if I have to do that, I'm really not proud of it and I believe that I've not been efficient. What's your relationship with technology? I mean... I, I'm a sort of geek and, 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 okay. and you know, it's, it's just like uh, you have your mantra or sometimes you're something that hit your mind. Those days is chat GPT, but could have been a, yeah. another topic. But it's been six months I'm passionate about chat GPT, so I'm playing with that. So that and, and the same on some product or on one technology or one fabric. But it's like a kid, uh, it's a sort of passion. There is absolutely no structure in my approach to our innovation okay. or to te- technology. I'm not engineer at all. So often I don't understand at all how the technology is built and, and, and I know that I will never understand. Just trying as, as, as a consumer or as a fan, the technology into our business. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's it. Japan for that, where, where we are, it's a, it's a big country for us. And every time I go in Japan, I'm learning a lot about uh, technology. It, often ideas coming from that, specifically, sorry, specifically because of Japan. And also because it's when you travel, I believe. So where, when you're out of work and home, that really think and, and that you really your whole body your mental every, every sense is able to to feel something yeah. and that's where you can remark some technology you can read articles and, and so often during traveling and, and absolutely not structural just like a kid uh, playing a video game but do, do, does it are you able to use technology to from a professional perspective to to help you be more efficient or? Um, no, it's very intuitive. Okay. Uh, and I'm testing, but then when I believe there is something, I will handle it 
to someone and we have people here in the company very good for that and they can really understand if it's possible to plug in will it bring value to the company yeah. and often they say well it's completely stupid just get rid about this technology but but sometimes yeah they have the same ideas and we share it together and but it's yeah it's intuitive not structure and given to the right professional when when we believe it could be interesting for, yeah. for instance chat gpt is a very good example of that where thinking at it testing it and I have no conclusion about it. The only thing I can say is that we're using it. Yeah. When you think about the next, I don't know, three to five years, what do you see as the the biggest challenge that the industry needs to face or address? Uh, being seen, as, as I said before, being seen as a solution, not a problem into CSR. Um, finding solution to that. I mean, it's... All the industry is based on going outside. That's uh, the, I mean, the route is outdoor. So if the outdoor is changing and we can see that uh, much quicker than expected by any other, uh, um, any other, any scientist, sorry, that's what we have to face. And, and I believe we as a small company, MIA, will never be able to find solution alone or during the time we have. So... Uh, focusing on CSR, which means climate, but not only. I, I think we often, we start it changing, but we often forget biodiversity into the thinking. So it's a lot about uh, reduction of CO2, sometimes compensation of it, and, and maybe uh, it's either net zero, regenerative. Be careful with all those words, because then I'm not sure everybody understands what does it mean. But in any case, it's related to CO2 and climate. I believe we sometimes forget about biodiversity. Uh, you might know that um, uh, 70% of the species disappeared over the last 100 years, 70%, mm. which is just a drama. And you never know what is the egg, what is the, the chicken. Huh? So uh, mm. let's think at that. So that's so basically, it's finding a solution all together, the industry player, not only the brand, the retailers, uh, for climate and biodiversity and and, uh, and I think a second topic this could only work if we find a way um, to I don't know if it's train or educate the right word consumer mm-hmm. it starts from consumer and, and there are a few initiatives from brands saying that but we need to bring them with us I mean it's not only brands or retailers or fabric suppliers. It's at the end, how do we behave? Do we really uh, change every time there is a new color? Uh, shall we repair? Um, mm. uh, where do we pay attention really to uh, where it has been produced? What's the electricity that has been needed to build this fabric or build this end of product, etc., etc. So, com- consumer are not enough, to my point of view, into the equation today. Yeah, and we will need to find a way to bring them with us. Mm. Well, so that's for me the most changing part for the industry because otherwise, all the rules will change. Yeah, it doesn't mean there won't be any mountain. There will be. We're, we're partnering, for instance, with a, a scientist uh, who is uh, looking at the glacier, the glass, the boson in in Chamonix. Yeah. Very interesting study. He just published something in, in Nature uh, newspaper, very famous uh, scientist. Uh, and wh- basically what he's saying is that 
when when the glacier is is uh, is getting out, it's not only rocks. There is life coming out, trees, lake, uh, but it's mm. changing. So how do you adapt to that? That could bring opportunities, but also a lot of risk. Huh? When you have a lake uh, above a village, well, how does it in Kenya, for instance, could bring issues as well. So it's this that we need to pay attention to as, as a top priority. How do you, with your team, with your leadership team, decide, okay, this is where we're going to focus because, as you pointed out, I mean, it's such a complex topic with uh, many things that many of us don't understand. So deciding we're going to go left or right, and this is where we're going to, it's, it's tough, it's difficult. On, it depends on the on on the topic. Um, there are some sub-segment into CSR that are uh, uh, well studies, uh, uh, well studied. Sorry, with data analysis, you know, you can modelize. Climate is, a, is you know, if you do, for instance, SBTI uh, projection, you know exactly uh, carbon audit and that kind of thing. There are data. Of mm. course, you can uh, you can. Uh, criticize assumption, but at least there are assumptions. So based on that, you can measure. Of course, when you measure, there are obvious actions that comes from data and, and, and it's not anymore a question of opinion, that's just a fact. And what we all know in the industry is that uh, most of the CO2 is linked to the energy you use in order to produce the raw material first and then to transform the raw material into a finished product. For us, it's 90% of the problem. So, it, I mean, it's just a fact from carbon audit that we've been doing for more than five years now. So it's it's quite consistent. So yeah. here we 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 have a, a way to federate people on that topic. Um, then it, it's more tricky. Biodiversity super complicated. Mm -hmm. It start to have it's because it's less major. So it start you start to have in the industry a few uh, like SBTI, but. Uh, for nature, for biodiversity, you start to have some measurement, but early stage, more difficult. So indeed, you have to choose one uh, left or right, but at least you choose. I mean, it's like greenwashing. I mean, in some ways, greenwashing sometimes is useful because it brings uh, climate issues to everybody. Mm. Wrong words, uh, bad advertising, sometimes even misleading, but bring it. Some people who never care about it in some ways with a fake advertising I heard that there is a climate problem so it's not completely a problem I'm not I'm not a fan of greenwashing I'm sure. just saying <laughs> no, I understand it, it means that if you go left or if you go right in some ways you can see some positive anywhere but here we, yeah biodiversity we're really early stage but we're going in we will make a bet and, and, and at least we will do one um, finally consumer uh, here it's difficult. Uh, the way we found is uh, uh, is the positioning of the brand. So finding the the tone of voice that you're using to advertise your product. But let's do that with CSR. And for instance, we're launching a, a renting with Mia. Uh, there, we don't say too much because we want to get data in order to be able to say to the consumer who wants to rent, look, if you do that you will uh, reduce your impact for this or this reason. So it, that's the way, the three three ways we will do it. But you're right. People as an opinion, especially when you're French, as you know, we have an opinion on everything. The only way to do is uh, have a clear goal and measure it. Mm -hmm. So 
favourite piece of sports or outdoor gear? And it not, it's not allowed to be... Favourite piece of... Sports or outdoor gear. And it's not allowed to be me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's way too easy. Because <laughs> you must own something that isn't me. Like, um, Otherwise, I'm going to call your wife. <laughs> uh, important, at least. Um, uh, DVA. Okay. Security. Yeah. Uh, those days, because mountain is changing, yeah. everything related to security. I mean, I, I've been raised with people going out, oh, I was doing skittering when I was younger. Never had an helmet and a, and a security DVA uh, somewhere on me. I mean, uh, 30 years ago, we don't care. I mean, cycling with a helmet, uh, yeah. look at the Tour de France in the 80s. Yeah. Now it's freezing. And, and so that's a favorite thing, not because I like it, just because I need it yeah. for my security. So I would say that. Okay. Okay. And we talked already about... And also backpack me. Yeah. Oh, sorry. And, uh, <laughs> of course. That's <laughs> a given. <laughs> and favorite piece of tech... Hardware or soft technology can be hardware or software. Um, Josh and your son. Um, it's tough. Strava. Um, okay. That's yeah. probably the thing uh, where I'm, I'm not a big fan of social network, but uh, yeah. And I have to say that uh, this one is, yeah, from a personal and professional those days, by the way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Best, but uh, yeah. personally, yeah, probably I'm going on Strava three days a day. Okay. Three times a day. Three times a week. Ah, more a day. Three times a day. Yeah, okay. Just to look at Strava. And yeah, okay. Strava is something that is engaging you a lot. Okay, interesting. Interesting. Good software. If you could recommend a book or a resource for somebody to read that maybe is working not in the industry that would like to get into the industry something yeah that could give them some insights or shed some light onto the sports and the outdoor industry well um like everybody want, who wants to go into the business uh, there there are a few uh books from entrepreneurs when Schwinar is, is the best example, for mm. instance. And, and, and of course, it's common to say, and of course, a lot of people uh, have read it, but it's, it's worthwhile. I mean, you need to look, to read one of these two. And listening, for instance, the story in between Patagonia and North Face, there is a podcast about it that is very interesting. Okay. okay. Super interesting on that. It's Guerre de Business in French. Okay. And, uh, and they talk about the, the, those two companies that have been founded actually by two friends. And, and the story behind them is really quite interesting. And now it's big companies, but yeah. listening to them. And so the book of Shwina and this. Second point, uh, The Great Wall. It's a film uh, with Tommy Cadwell, the, the, the story of a climber. Okay. Oh, Incredible. Incredible. If, if you want to be passionate about climbing and understand why people are so much interesting about climbing, go for that. And last point, uh, books of Messner. Uh, I have to say that often mountain book could be a bit boring. Uh, everybody can say that. Messner is not. Okay. Okay. Oh, great. I'll put the links to all of those in the, <laughs> Thank you. In the uh, show notes. Um, the down hall, sorry. I said the great wall, but this is not. This yeah, is I was thinking that. I was back to China. No, no, <laughs> the down hall. Down wall, okay. I'll check and make sure I get the right ones. <laughs> And then if you could give future leaders in our industry three pieces of advice, three pieces of advice, what would you give them? What would you tell them? 
first, don't be surprised if sometimes you will feel uh, we are old-fashioned. We are. Uh, second, be passionate because that's the reason we are old-fashioned. Um, and third, push the world because we need innovation, modernity in the way we structure our company, in the way we are open to the world. So um, I, I think this is an industry where we can listen to people. So don't be shy. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Romain. I really appreciate your time. It's been super interesting and I'm sure the audience and listeners will get a lot out of it. So, so thank you very much. Thanks for watching this episode of Sports and Outdoor Mentors. We'd love to hear from you. So please leave your comments, including recommendations for future guests and questions you'd like them to answer. In the meantime, if you enjoyed this episode and want to see more, please don't forget to subscribe. Thanks again for your support and see you soon.